Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am Ross Morasso with my guest today, Diane Greco-Allen, owner at, Dige- uh, owner at Digestive Distress Solutions. And she has an interesting career here in a, as a food relationship coach, food rehab facilitator, forensic food investigator, we have a fascinating conversation today because I have a feeling that what we are putting into our bodies is having a much more profound effect on what is going on with our whole life than we otherwise would suspect. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ross. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here. You know, give me a brief overview of what it is that you do. So I, I really like to um, engage people into what their daily routines are with food. In our relationships with food, believe it or not, they start very, very early in our life. And uh, sometimes we don't even realize that uh, we're doing things with food that is like a replay of our, our, of our past. And so, uh, so I have a question for you, Ross, already. Okay. Um, you know, I want to know, uh, what did you have for breakfast during your childhood? Most of the time, uh, if it was a school day, it would be just oatmeal. I was allergic to regular milk, so they didn't have a lot of good milk substitutes back when I was a pup. So it would mostly be oatmeal in the morning. But on the weekends, and it's interesting that you're saying this, my parents would always make a pretty big to-do about breakfast. Right, so the eggs and sausage and orange juice and the f- cut up fruit and all that stuff. That's those were my breakfasts when I was a child. I, I absolutely love that because uh, very similar to me, um, you know, growing up, and you don't realize sometimes I just miss we miss breakfast. You know, uh, we didn't put a lot of emphasis on it before going to school. Both of my parents worked, so you know, in that realm, we were sort of on our own in the morning, and sometimes it was just. Cereal. I uh, didn't really know. We had dried milk, believe it or not. We were using boxed, <laughs> you know, the, the old dry milk. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen that or heard of it. But, uh, you know, so everybody's household was probably a little bit different. And I love that you bring up the weekend because we were very similar. It was a big to-do, especially Sunday morning. You know, and so, as you're uh, saying that to me now... You know, I'm thinking, and maybe this is what you're what you're hinting at. If I'm picking up what you're throwing down, now in my adult life, either on a Saturday or a Sunday, with people I care about, we almost always go out to breakfast on one of those days, and I just enjoy it so much. Yeah, yeah. So, so those things we take into consideration. You know, when when you're looking at uh, someone's health or their mental health or things that um, are going on in their life. Sometimes you go back to look and see what they relied on, uh, you know, during their, their earlier years and, and how that plays out uh, maybe with what's happening in your, your health scenario. So I have a second question for you. Uh, when you got sick, was it your mother, your, your grandmother? Who helped you, you know, when you were sick? And what did they feed you? 
Hmm. You know, while I had a very supportive father, he was limited to more of a few dishes, whereas my mom uh, continues to embrace all sorts of cooking experimentation, and, and she is a pretty good cook. So when I was little, you know, if I would have been sick, often it would have been the good old chicken noodle soup. That, that, that's, that's a great one because uh, that is what I think a lot of people um, have gone to or that's what they use. But, you know, I, I can recall when I grew up, we did um, toast, cinnamon toast with tea and uh, when we were sick. And then there was ginger ale and there was, um, you know, so like you said, soup, chicken noodle soup, canned soup, things like that. So we relied on some things during those times, and believe it or not, when you're sick, sometimes you might want, you might replay that. Uh, it's almost like it's a memory, and you, when you're not feeling well, you want to go to a comfort spot. And so those types of things are, you know, your relationship with food in the past and, and how it plays out in your life. Uh, there was also, I worked at McDonald's uh, during high school. And uh, I had real bad tonsillitis once that was uh, super bad. And so I literally made my parents just go and get the milkshakes at McDonald's (laughs) while I was sick, you know. You just automatically go towards, you know, some of these areas where where you were. And, And it can play a little, you know, trick in your head when you're not feeling well as you get older. You know, where, where are you going to go for that, that safety and that comfort? You know, you're hitting on something here that I find interesting because for people to need a food relationship coach or food investigator with you, something tells me, though, that what is making us comfortable is not always what is making us healthy. And that is, that is definitely, the you know, Hitting the nail on the head, yes, with the hammer. But uh, yes, we're we, we've come to a place of comfort. Um, I, I was raised with a lot of pasta, and you know, biggest Catholic Italian family. Uh, we did a lot around food. I mean, everything was literally engaged with eating and food. And so, yes, you're you know, when we look at those comfort zones, uh, and sometimes in our life, you know, sometimes emotionally. Uh, you come to a place where you're uh, triggered to go back to that comfort area. And even when you start a a plan where you think, oh, I'm going to get involved, you know, what's actually going to make you carry it out? You know, what what are those steps that you need to take to get you to say, you know, I'm committed to, I want to be well, you know, and and this, this can be a little tricky. So how often then, when people are working with you, does your engagement and as your interactions with your clients seem to be, you know, part focused on diet and food, but then, excuse me, also part focused on almost like a therapy session, right? Of like getting down to the heart of the matter of what's drawing us to these foods. Well, you know, when, when you think I'm not a psychologist, you know, I have a background in nursing, uh, and I worked in the hospital in the, in the cardiovascular intensive care unit. So I've seen some of the real extreme scenarios. And then with myself, 
going through my uh, burnout with caregiver burnout and knowing what, you know, we do to ourselves, uh, you know, I like to set it up so that whatever works comfortably for you because taking these steps does take some mindful awareness of what we are doing every day and how we engage with, uh, you know, our daily routines and our foods that we choose. So what would be, and I look, I know everybody's different, but what would be some typical things that a client might come to you with? Like what is motivating some of your clients to reach out to you? I like that you asked that because um, it, it's all different. Um, I don't like to focus on weight management, although I have people that come to me for weight uh, issues because we want to be functionally well. So you're, you're looking, you want to get that weight to be at a functional weight that your body's working. So some people come to me for weight issues. I've had teach people reach out that mostly are having digestive issues. And uh, from my experience with pancreatitis in the past, I can help people who are at a really, really, um, they're in a, in a place where they're, they're hurting really bad inside. And so a lot of that inflammatory stuff that we're dealing with is related to food and sometimes it's related to mental stress. But uh, a lot of people come to me uh, with um, digestive issues like you might see IBS. Um, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with these terms, inflammatory bowel disease or mm-hmm. um, irritable bowel. Um, you know, it might be gallbladder disease or dysfunction, uh, sluggish bowel. Uh, you know, things are happening with um, some people related to foodborne illnesses, which are actually, you know, some some of the gut imbalances that we deal with um, in our microbiome that's in our gut. And when it's way out of balance, sometimes it's because we're, we're doing too much of one thing or the other. So, uh, you know, they, they come to me for all different parts of, of bowel dysfunction and digestive issues. But um, sometimes it's depression and anxiety. So it just depends on, you know, what they're experiencing. Okay, so you know, irritable bowel syndrome, and, and look, I, I don't mean to say that you know, these very real ailments that can cause us discomfort and often pain are all in your head, um, but, and I think specifically what you're saying is, hey, well, let's leave that part alone. Let's talk about what's all in your stomach, right? Yeah, what's going on? What are we putting in our stomach? What are we surrounding ourselves with? And what I, I like to focus on... Uh, food safety and understanding, you know, what types of foods we're actually eating. Um, you know, so many times we don't think about processed foods um, having so many different types of of different forms of food. So I'm just going to like go to the the uh, talking about an animal. Okay, so we were we were raised on milk, cheese. Uh, beef and, you know, um, a lot of pasta and carbohydrates. But, you know, when you look at that cow product and all the proteins that come from one animal, sometimes we're overdosing ourselves in one area. And it's similar with the carbohydrates, you know, your refined foods. 
uh, you go to an area of, um, you've got all this wheat that was uh, changed into this dried form and then processed. But, you know, those types of things to look at because there are so many, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the endocrine system, but the choppers or chakras that people talk about, you know, somebody's emotionally blocked somewhere. And, and this is related to the endocrine system, too, and the thyroid and the pancreas and all these digestive enzymes and all the things that we our bodies are doing for us. And sometimes we're working against it by, you know, putting things in our mouth that really don't, uh, they're, they're harming us instead of helping us. So for those of you that did not uh, join us at the top of the show, I'm talking with Diane Greco-Allen owner of a company called Digestive Distress Solutions, and you can reach her at gmail at d.grecoallen at gmail.com. So just d.grecoallen.com, and that's G-R-E-C-O. And can I give your phone number out once, Diane? Sure. 724-344-1105. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, I... We'll, we will continue this conversation, and specifically about now that we know what sort of things can be harming us, talking about how we can get to the bottom of some of this with Diane's help. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Energy. As we dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge our way through life, our energy can become unbalanced, misaligned, or blocked completely. And just like a car needs an alignment now and again, we do too. My name is Andrea Reed, owner of Light as a Feather Wellness in Nashua, New Hampshire. I'm a Reiki master teacher and certified integrative coach working with both people and animals to balance that energy so we can move through life with more grace, ease, and joy. Contact me today at 603-548-4325 or email me at andrea at laafwellness.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Brandy Crane, founder of Brandy Crane Interiors. Making homes shine is my passion, and I offer a full range of design services from consulting to whole home design. If you'd like some help finding peace through your home interiors, visit my website at www.brandycraneinteriors.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-I-E-C-R-A-I-N interiors.com. Or you can give me a call at 318-613-3744. Let's get your house feeling like your home. Hey, welcome to Everything Outdoors. Can I help you find anything? Hey, yeah. Can you point us to the camping gear? Sure, aisle two. Snowboarding? Just bought a new Nissan Pathfinder. It's got intelligent 4x4 and we want to hit the backcountry. Aisle 18. And the boats? Are you sure you can do all this? Up to 6,000 pounds towing, we're good to go. Oh, where's the scuba gear? Return to rugged in the all-new 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. Available intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capability varies by configuration. See Nissan Owner's Manual for proper use. Are you looking for even more of the podcasts and hosts that you love? The Podcast Business News Network is proud to announce that you now have even more ways to listen live. Check out the MyTuner Radio, Online Radio Box, and Simple Radio apps on iOS and Android, or find us online. Search for Business News Network on MyTuner-Radio.com, or search Podcast Business News Network on Streama.com and OnlineRadioBox.com slash US. Take your podcasts on the go and don't miss a minute of the action. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. All right, and we are back. I am Ross Morasso with my guest today, Diane Greco-Allen, owner at 
Digestive Distress Solutions. So before the break, we were talking about how what we put in our body is affecting us and how our diets can actually start to get formulated from a very, very young age. So Diane can help you all sort of deconstruct all of that to make sure that what is going into your body is actually a source of health and wellness and not a source of distress. So Diane, we were just before we went to the commercial break and we were talking about certain sorts of foods and things like that, just as overview examples of things that could affect us. But you know, one of the things that you do is forensic food investigator, right? So explain to me what that means. So how do you really work with people to get to the bottom of this if they're having issues? Well, you know, you, you have to look at um, many aspects of, of each individual's life. And I have many tools uh, that I have um, acquired uh, through uh, actually two certifications. And, um, you know, my like I said, my former education was in uh, nursing. And so we did evaluations with people and assessments and things like that. So this sort of is in alignment with that. And I always say I'm, I'm not an, uh, a psychologist, but you look at sort of like the psychology of how people look at food and, and what, your, what your understanding is of it. And, and so there are many tools that I offer to my clients and sometimes they're individualized because not everybody's going to use the same type of tool or it's not always going to work for each person. You might be attracted to a different way. And there, there's apps, you know, there's a tons of apps that I can help uh, direct people to. But I also like to, like, you know, just question people, like, have you ever considered practicing uh, a form of food prep? You know, uh, what, what motivates you to be in your kitchen to cook? Um, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, what food do you attracted to? You know, you, you want to know what food you're automatically going to every day. Um, so, you know, we're looking at some of the, it, it is a psychology of what brings us to, to what we're eating. And also, um, you know, what, what microbes in our body are asking for food and craving those sweets, you know. So, you know, I don't know if you were a, like a cookie monster like I was. Ross, <laughs> were you a cookie monster? Uh, we, my, yes, so much so that my mom made it careful to not keep cookies around the house that often. We would almost always bake our own, and we could make several dozen, and even at nine years old, they would all be gone in a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that's, again, coming from a family that was Italian, it revolved around you had to have baking during the holidays, and so a lot of a lot of the things in the traditions where you grew up from the past, we had to have tons of cookies. And so I'm Italian, and so the anise flavor of those cookies, I loved anise. I loved you know the pizzelles. I loved the biscotti. You know all those things that I grew up on. I mean, if we didn't have biscotti. We really didn't use icing all the time. We just made biscotti and we'd dip it in our coffee. And, and my grandmother, she made it to uh, a type of, um, it was almost uh, the, you know, it was mostly milk. You know, it was a little bit of coffee with a lot of milk. So, you know, it, what it is today is everything that you see out in the stores that everybody buys, lattes. But, uh, you know, we think about what we were surrounded by. 
and all the things that bookies, I mean, Girl Scout cookies, we were selling them. I, we, we were like cookie hoarders, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> there was cookies in our house all the time, and if my mom baked during the holidays, they lasted for weeks, and we were all constantly eating them. But, you know, and, and in our house, we had homemade pizza, and we had big homemade pizza parties. So that was also with a carb-loading event on the weekends, and then we would use the dough for pizza frita and things like that. So if you think about your your personal experience and knowing, you know, what what that weekend was like and what your weekdays are like, as you mentioned before, and just trying to figure out how can we manage to work with that and take steps that might um, – balance things out so that you're you're not uh, going in that direction of, of being a, a hoarder with your cookies or, you know, anything, and, and just taking it in small increments. Now, you know, I think a lot of us n- can identify stuff that we definitely know is bad. Like anyone at this day and age thinks uh, uh, Doritos are going to help you. Uh, you know, has been living under a rock. But let's talk about the other direction, and this is Something I'm always curious about. You hear this phrase, superfoods. Have you heard of that phrase before? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Right? um, What do you think? Do you have any? Do you subscribe to that? What are foods that you think are just so amazing that everyone should try to find a way to get into their diet and why? Do you have any favorites? Yeah. uh, You know, to tell you the truth, you know, everybody went so kale crazy Mm. that I, I don't like to, you know, just focus on one thing. You really, you really have to experiment with uh, eating the rainbow of foods. You know, you want to get all your colors in there. And so um, getting the colors of all the vegetation out there, you really want to get the, the nurturing aspect of, of the soil. And it's got to be good soil, you know. You can, and it's got to come from all over. So you've got to really rotate almost everything that, you want to focus on the produce section. There are some things in the frozen section, but you know, just stay away from some of those processed things. I mean, I really, I, I always did eat salad, but I was like covering my salad with all kinds of junk, and, and you know, you don't realize it, so you're not really getting the nutritional value from. You want to get the foods that are valuable for digestion and to keep things moving inside and to make it more functional. So, you know, going towards, you know, nuts and seeds and things like that, some people are like, oh, no, no, my doctor told me I can't have those things. And it's because there's a confusion around that subject. So, you know, um, there's there's a lot of, I would say, I, I love, you know, just zucchini and onions and things like that. A lot of people are afraid to eat onions because it smells bad. Mm. <laughs> you know, and onions, I don't know if you, are you aware that garlic is an onion? Uh, I did not know that it was in the shared the same family, but I guess that makes sense. It does kind of look like a little onion if you're looking at a clove. Yes, there's shallots and onions and, I mean, all these different types of onions. So you want to get something from that family and you want to, like, share it every day. And, and I like to say that we should almost think like a, a chef and think like a scientist at the same time because you almost have to be, investigate the food, you know, say, okay, today I'm going to play around with this type of food. And, and there are ways to use those foods and store them so that you can reuse them 
and not like over overuse it in one day because our bodies sort of react to those things. And and those detoxing episodes that occur sometimes uh, can be aggressive. So we don't want to go in the aggressive way. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with some of that word detox, mm-hmm. but it, it can sound scary. And some people do aggressive detoxes, and I, I don't believe in that. What, what is it you like about onions and garlic? You point to them as, um, like, I don't think it's uh, that hard for us to understand it. Like, oranges are a good food, as an example. But, you know, oh, because it's vitamin C. But what is it about, like, onions and the garlic sort of things that you like? Okay, there are, these, these uh, believe it or not, are antiviral. They're very medicinal. And uh, there's some things, uh, you know, now, they, I follow many, many different protocols and what's out there. Uh, you know, with functional medicine, you're looking at a, a broad base of, you know, what type of, all these different types of diets people follow. And when you really come down to it, you just want to know how are these foods valuable for your body and, and to make them work in a healthier way. And, and garlic has been um, really well known as a medicinal food uh, for, anti, you know, the viruses and with COVID around. You just don't want to go crazy because some people are overreacting to garlic, but it might be for a different purpose. Is so, there a you know, way with garlic? Let me interject here real quick because I know it's it's a common thing that if people are eating too much garlic, their pores can almost just start to exude this stench. So is there like a way to be able to get enough garlic that makes a positive difference for our body without repelling everybody around us? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, we're going to go back to, um, you know, the other part of things, which we know the, the foods that are the sugary stuff. You just don't want to overdo any one thing. Mm. You know, you really don't. You want to just sort of incorporate. So maybe you can use garlic on some foods one day and then maybe take a little break and, you know, reintroduce it two days later. But you don't want to, like, be uh, overdosing on it. I, I know I smelled like pizza for a while because I was using, I was eating garlic and then I was putting body, the oregano on me. Um, uh, for, you know, the antiviral, uh, the oil of oregano. So there are, I believe, you know, you think about uh, going back to the, the cultures of Italy and all those beautiful European countries and some of those flavors, uh, those were extremely medicinal. And to get rid of the odor, there might be some other things going on in your body that, uh, unless you're overdosing on garlic, I mean... Um, uh, you know, there might be some other things that you're dealing with that you're expelling that, you know. So your body wants to get rid of things that it really doesn't need sometimes, but you want to be in balance with it and in tune. So, Diane, um, and, and for those of you, uh, one more time, I'm talking to Diane Greco-Allen, um, the owner of Digestive Distress Solutions. And uh, you can look her up and set yourself straight with what it is you're putting into your body. We're almost out of time here, so tell everybody where they can find you. Well, I can be I can be found on Linktree, Diane Greco Allen, uh, and if you click onto my Linktree, you can access uh, all the platforms that I'm on. I am on YouTube, and I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, so you can find me there and. Ross, I really, really thank you for giving me this time. And um, do you have any more questions? Oh, I've, I'm going to leave our interview with so many more questions than I have 
answers, but I wouldn't change it. And I want to say that I welcome you back to the show anytime you'd like to come on. This is a very fascinating conversation, and I think that we just started to scratch the surface. But I, I thank you for the insight you gave to us today. Diane Greco-Allen, owner at Digestive Distress Solutions, and you can uh, look her up if you wanted to email her directly, d.grecoallen at gmail.com. So, Diane, thank you for being with us today. Thank you again, Rod. And thank you all for tuning in. I am Ross Morasso. Until next time. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council.